Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name is Ellis Williams, recording on a Wednesday from our downtown Cleveland studio. I'm joined, as always, by beat writers Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. My friends, how you two doing? Uh, doing well. We're doing great today. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Lots to talk about today. Uh, of course, we're going to start with the Browns losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers 20-13. Really a crushing defeat, and we'll get into what it means for the playoff implications and all that. Uh, very soon here, again, Browns lose 20-13. They, they total only 273 yards. Uh, Baker Mayfield was hit eight times, sacked five times. Really uh, a tough outing in Pittsburgh, um, ones I guess Browns fans are used to seeing. But still, this year felt different. It felt like the, it was Cleveland's time to go there, take care of business, especially against uh, Duck Hodges, no James Conner, no Juju Smith-Schuster. And yet the Browns couldn't get it done. Uh, so simply your t- takeaways and what this means overall for the Browns playoff picture going forward. Well, you know, I mean, this was a game, obviously, that they needed to go in there and win. And when you're playing, like you said, against Duck and Benny Snell, and you don't even have Marquise Pouncey, yeah. the seven-time Pro Bowl center. Uh, you have to be able to win this game uh, when you have guys named Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. Think about that. Think about the disparity in the names on those two offenses, and the Cleveland Browns could not get it done. And a lot of that was because uh, the Steelers' defense, they played better. They made better adjustments. Uh, they dug down deeper. And I do think that, uh, you know, that Freddie gave them extra motivation by wearing the shirt. I don't care what anybody says. Coaches use those things as motivation. Uh, You can't give a team something like that to hang their hat on heading into a game. And, hey, if the Steelers said afterwards that it motivated them, them, that's good enough for me. Yep, yep. You had a 10-0 lead with 740 left in the first half. And from there you get outscored 20-3. to It was 10-3. to uh, at the 2.56 mark. So there's no good reason that you should have lost that football game. The minute you got up 10 to nothing with the way that offense was looking for Pittsburgh, it should have been over. And in fact, I regrettably tweeted that that was probably about all the Browns needed to win that game. And of course, I heard about that throughout the whole second half. <laughs> but that being said, uh, you've, you've got to figure out a way to win that game. When you go up 10 nothing on the road in a place where this team has struggled so much against really a shell of an offense... You've got to be able to finish that game. You know, credit to Pittsburgh's defense. It's one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, but if you've got all that talent that you mentioned on, on the offensive side, you should be able to figure something out and take advantage of it. And you saw that uh, Steelers players after the game were telling uh, ESPN that, uh, you know, that Mike Tomlin was drawing things up for them defensively uh, because they were getting some different looks offensively from the Cleveland Browns. And he was just doing it like, you know, a high school game where you're just kind of drawing things up in the dirt and telling them what to do on the fly. That's really good coaching. Uh, At the same time, Freddie Kitchens comes out in his press conference the other day and says that we didn't match the intensity of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, how can that be? How can you in a game like that not match the intensity of the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, some of that... Uh, has to go on to coaching because you've got to get your team not only ready to play from an X's and O's standpoint, but from an intensity standpoint. Of course, yeah. So Mary Kay highlights the coaching discrepancy there. Uh, Dan, one thing, is there any one particular thing that stood out for why you think Cleveland lost this one? 
I just don't think they can that this offense just isn't good enough yeah. honestly I mean that's really been the problem all season and, and I looked a little closer at it I mean they're right in the middle of the road whether you like counting stats or advanced stats whatever the Browns are you know in the bottom half of the league in ever almost every statistical cat at least overall yardage DVOA whatever you want to look at uh, they cannot score points they've had seven games I believe now where they've been held under 20 points and, and a number of games where they've been held to 13 or fewer points you can't have that happen with this talent even if you, even though you didn't have kareem hunt for half the season you still had nick chubb odell beckham jarvis landry baker mayfield i mean you still had the talent to go out and beat teams and score points even with the defensive schedule you faced and, and the offense just hasn't been good enough well in this particular game too uh the offensive line struggled greg yeah. robinson wasn't in there and even though greg robinson is not an elite left tackle. He's a serviceable left tackle, and he's better than Justin McRae. Now, he was out with a concussion, didn't play in that game, and they struggled on both sides. They both yeah. they struggled all over the it was line. A nightmare. Right. It was a nightmare. Uh, Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, those guys kind of had their way. But you have to scheme it up differently. Right. You absolutely have to. How many games have the Browns played in this year where the opponent's left tackle was not starting mm-hmm. that week? And you have to go against Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, Olivier Vernon. And somehow those teams made it work. You have to scheme it up. You've got a chip with a tight end or a back. You've got to find a way to do it. You've got to run the ball more or more effectively. I mean, there are ways to combat that. You know heading into the game that that's going to be the situation. You can't let it ruin the game for you, especially when you've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the football field. Right, right. Uh, it was a completely blown opportunity. And to that point, Mary Kay, it seems as if the, this coaching staff, Freddie Kitchen specifically on offense, is uh, using these the, these players as just their assets on the field, and he doesn't see what their strengths and weaknesses are. Like you said, you have to account for the fact that your starting left tackle is missing. And their adjustments are go out there and play like a starting left tackle should. And that's something Kitchens keeps saying. Like, we're confident these guys can go out there and get the job done. Well, of course you're supposed to say that, but the adjustments aren't made on the field. And that's how Baker Mayfield ends up getting sacked five times and hit eight. Yeah, and and not only that, if so much of the game plan was to get the ball deep to Odell Beckham Jr., and he told us that it was, we were going to try to take deep shots to Odell, well, wait a minute. Shouldn't you stop and and think and realize that in that particular game with a fired up defensive front with playing with their hair on fire and your left tackle is out and you have some other issues on the offensive line. You already knew that Chris Hubbard struggled uh, with T.J. Watt in the previous game. Is that the game that that you're going to hope to take a bunch of deep shots? No. But does that mean that you can't try to get Odell Beckham Jr. involved? Those are the kinds of adjustments that you have to make. I mean, throw the ball short to Odell. Uh, You know, receiver screens, different things. I mean, you know, why not try something where Jarvis throws a pass to Odell or or Odell throws a pass to Jarvis or something? Right? Right. Because to your point, it was one of those games, the kitchen sink game, if you will. Right. You know, the sure this isn't technically the playoffs but it it was a playoff atmosphere as we could feel it in the arena and it was said after the game in kitchen's opening statement and mike Tomlin said too that this is a playoff atmosphere and the browns went out there and outside of you know one or two good drives and one nice touchdown to cream hunt 
there was there was really nothing there no no gimmick no flash and nothing to compensate for the lack of protection that baker mayfield had it's like kitchens just kept calling the same plays and imagine that they weren't working but you should uh, you also shouldn't need a bunch of gimmicks either you know like again if, if you don't want to do the double passes okay call a couple screens call some slants to odell sure. beckham you know do some different things instead of just trying to throw the ball down the field you know you're you're the more talented team uh, you know across o- offensively you are the more talented team so go out there and be the more talented team yeah. do what you do best and make them stop you and and then adjust and you know, it feels like this this offense's identity so far has either been nick chubb has a big game or you know freddie kitchens tries to run a bunch of gimmicks sometimes you just got to line up and and do what you do best and say hey odell beckham on a slant is pretty unstoppable let's get him the ball on some slants let's let jarvis landry work underneath a little bit where he's been so successful his whole career and and we just don't see anything like that consistently and here's the other weird thing why can devlin hodges walk onto a football field and hit james washington down the sideline numerous times in a football game and they don't seem to have any chemistry problems yet (laughs) baker mayfield and odell beckham jr and sometimes even jarvis landry do not seem like they're in the same game yeah. operating out of the same playbook at all. Well, that's what ended the game with the right. interception. They just were not on the same page. They there were wasn't not a, on the same page. You know, when we're watching, it looks like an, an off throw by Baker Mayfield, but, you know, he admits today, like, yeah, that's we were not on the same page. We did not see what each other, we thought we saw on the field, and that, that's the problem right there. Right, and and it is just bizarre. I mean, 10 of Baker Mayfield's 14 interceptions have come on passes to Jarvis Landry, Six, six to Jarvis, four to Odell Beckham Jr. Wow. So 10 of his 14 interceptions have come on passes intended for those guys. And they just haven't had it the way that it needs to be all year long. Why can Brandon Allen in Denver yeah. step into a football game and hit deep passes and make completions like that? And Baker Mayfield has struggled to do that with, with his guys. Yep. And I'm sure that behind the scenes they're blaming it on those receivers i really believe that they that behind the scenes freddie is is believing that um odell and jarvis are not always where they're supposed to be now jarvis has had a lot of a lot of good plays over the last month or so but in situations like that i think they're putting it more on the receivers and especially on odell yeah and i think that's uh translating or that seems true when i watch the film also because Mm -hmm. Then there will be moments when Odell Beckham Jr. isn't double covered, uh, does squeak open, but Baker Mayfield doesn't even put his eyes there because it, he knows it's not that type of situation for Odell, a, a timing route, if you will. That's not when he's going to try and hit Beckham. Clearly right now, all he can do with Odell Beckham is throw a deep shot bomb, which aren't even 50-50 balls at this point, right? or a, you know some quick game stuff, which we've seen sporadically through the year right um i I think we're about done with saying that this thing's going to take time right um it's ruptured it's it's broken i'm not sure how it gets fixed it's one of the most puzzling things i've ever seen when it comes to football and almost takes me back to like a a Randy Moss in Oakland type thing. You know, mm-hmm. I was in seventh grade when that was going on. I don't even know if NFL Game Pass existed, so I can't reference the tape there. But when a star wide receiver goes somewhere and his numbers completely suppress, I mean, Beckham's 16-game averages um, over his four years in New York were something like 106 catches, 
nearly 1,500 yards and 12 scores. Mm -hmm. And now we're looking at him just cracking 1,000 with about 70 catches and three touchdowns if the math checks out. It's like the difference there can't be – I don't even know what to put it on. We're going from Eli Manning to Baker Mayfield. It's just what no one expected. And I I guess what I'm trying to say is that saying that they need time – that's expired. It, it, now we're looking at a complete disconnect um, from their receiver to quarterback marriage here. Yeah, you know what? It, there's got to be a way um, that you can go into football game and say, we're going to showcase Odell Beckham Jr. in some way, like Dan said, on the slants, on the screens, on the on something. Do something in the shorter passing game because it's not working the other way. And if it's not perfect, you have to come back and look at him again in the progression because he may have gotten open yeah. later. Maybe he wasn't open on your first read, but maybe he got open later. In 59 games in New York with the New York Giants, there were two occasions when he had yardage in the 20s. Wow. In Cleveland... In 12 games, he's had yardage in the 20s three times. 25% of his games here, he's had yardage in the 20s. And again, he was not around in the offseason. But uh, there's got you've got to find some things that he can do well, pick three or four routes that he and Baker can feel comfortable with together, right. and then take the chance that he's going to win a contested ball. Yep. And you, you just have to try to make this work. And, then, and there's other things you can do, too. You know, again, going back to some of that stuff. I mean, you've got Kareem Hunt now. You can just kill a team, throwing the ball to Kareem Hunt. You know, run with Nick Chubb, throw to Kareem Hunt, work Jarvis Landry over the middle and just, you know, methodically move that football. And then all of a sudden, when you see that the defense is ready to adjust, when they're tired of Kareem Hunt just killing them underneath, now we're going to go over the top of you. And we just, you know, we're not seeing... It's not so much that the creativity isn't there from Freddie. We see some of that stuff. We see some of the stuff we saw from last year, but we're not seeing the comprehensive game long. We're going to do this to you. And then right when you're about to adjust, we're going to hit you over the top or we're going to hit you with this, or you guys have been blitzing like crazy. Now we're going to hit you with the screen. And we just don't see them taking advantage of defenses because you should be able to, in theory, whether your offensive line is good or not, put these playmakers out there and make a defense adjust to you somehow. And, And we just don't see that. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling to take this amount of talent and do so little with it. I mean, my goodness, like some of the statistics that you cited before about, you know, 13 points and whatever the, I don't even know, I I don't have the stats in front of me right now, how many points the Browns are averaging this season. I think they're about 15. I I looked it up last night. I think they're somewhere in the middle, but it's, yeah, yeah, points scored, the Browns are... 21st in the NFL with 20.5 points. Now, I remember talking about those kinds of numbers back when they had quarterbacks like Colt right. McCoy. Right. And you know what I mean? And, and no there's one, a 40-point game in there, too. It's, yes, so that's, exactly. You know, um, if you will. Actually, there's two 40-point oh, games yeah, in yeah, there. Yep. There's two 40-point point. games in there. So, um, yeah, so when you, yeah, when you look at uh, you know, their other amount of games, uh, you know, there's far too often where they're not getting it done. They're not getting it done in the red zone. Look at Baker Mayfield's statistics. He is at the bottom of the barrel right. in most of the key QB categories. Yep. That's not cutting it. Once again, you are taking an offense and doing so incredibly little with it when you can take a Devlin Hodges and a Benny Snell and a James Washington and do so much more. Yeah, to your point about chemistry, um, 
pretty sure James Washington and Mason Rudolph played college football together at mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. Yeah. And that didn't work. It actually took Duck Hodges yeah. to get plugged in and have uh, James Washington have a, his first 100-yard game. So really the, the whole chemistry thing is has been overplayed. It's done. And to me, the Browns right now look like um, a, a basketball team and an uh, we'll call it an all-star basketball team with the, these high power offensive names you have. But the way Freddie kitchens implements them is your turn to shoot your turn to shoot my turn to shoot, you know, okay, this plays for Kareem hunt. Okay. This is just a handoff to Chubb. Okay. Now it's Odell's turn. Nothing like Dan was saying feels right. massaged or baked in. It's, it's not, it's, it's not, no, it, it is not. It is. It's, they're just calling plays. Yeah. They're just calling plays, and once we've talked about this, once you go off to script, it's just like, okay, what are we going to do here, and what are we going to do there? There doesn't seem to be rhyme or reason to it, uh, and they've got way too much talent uh, to be going into Pittsburgh and scoring only 13 points. Once again, they were, I think it was something like one for three in the red zone. Yep. No, that doesn't cut it. Yep. With all these guys, you've got to be able to score in the red zone, which I think brings up the question you guys is i mean we need to talk about baker mayfield yeah what about baker mayfield and his ability now this particular game he had a hand injury and he had a wrap on and a glove on the whole entire second half so maybe we have to give him a little bit of a pass in this particular game but in five opportunities when trailing with four minutes left this season he's thrown one touchdown pass this year and four interceptions, yeah. okay? Again, there's way too much talent on this football team for that to be what the outcome is right. most of the time. I mean, you have to have... I mean, Baker Mayfield was supposed to be the guy with the it factor, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was supposed to be the guy that made everybody around him better, elevate the play of those around him, and you can't even elevate the play of Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, something is not right with this offense. Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to think just off the top of my head... And I'm I'm sure I'm missing something, but you know I've I've been harping on pace all year, and it's gotten better. And you know, hey, they're actually getting guys in the huddle now. <laughs> but that's the bar we still. Set. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out like when is the last time you guys can really remember the Browns just came out on a drive and just said, you know, we're gonna play fast, we're gonna go no huddle, and we're gonna let right. Baker get up to the line and just be free and be Baker. And we you know we've seen at times he does really well when you just kind of let him get up there. You spread the field out a little bit, let him kind of pick where he wants to go. And it just feels like he's been handcuffed in that regard a little bit too. You know, maybe there's some number out there that'll say differently, but I just feel like watching these games, I'm, I'm not seeing the Browns do things to put pressure on defenses. And that's one of the things that, you know, you don't, you're not going to go no huddle 60 minutes, but you know, a couple drives here and there, if you get a little momentum, if you, if you need to kind of jumpstart things, go out there and play a little faster, even if it's for, even if it's for, half a series or something contrast this to what we are seeing in Baltimore where you take a guy like Lamar Jackson who so many people in the NFL wonder if he is going to be a legitimate bona fide NFL quarterback look these guys are both in their second NFL seasons okay and you've got Lamar obviously lighting it up he has taken off this year he has improved exponentially uh, from primarily a running quarterback playmaker to a really legitimate throwing passing quarterback they've built the offense up around him they have a really good coordinator in Greg Roman they're scheming it up really well 
and they have it humming along. Yeah. And what did anybody see that they did this year to scheme it up and get it rolling for Baker Mayfield? Yeah, you know, it looks like they're really just putting all this on Baker's shoulders. Like, oh, hey, Baker, here's this below average offensive line. Go make it work. To pretty that up for you, though, here's Odell Beckham Jr. And that's window dressing. It's not at its core investing in your first overall pick and protecting him as you should. You know, like, yes, do you need to get a, a young quarterback weapons? Uh, I think back to, like, the Dallas Cowboys situation before they got Amari Cooper. Yeah, they do need – you need someone to catch the ball. But Cleveland already had that. They had options, and instead they didn't invest in an offensive line. And now you're you're putting Baker Mayfield in positions where not only is the offensive line breaking down against above-average defenses – you're dealing with a play caller here, as we've already detailed, who's just calling plays, and which is the opposite of what you're saying is happening in Baltimore, where you have a whole entire system yeah, reinvented. a philosophy. Exactly. An identity. Yeah, an identity. An ide- and a flow. Yep. There's some rhyme and reason to the game, right? Yeah. And yeah. that is not going on here. When I look at this offense, I would I would love to see a really sharp wise offensive mind just see what they could come in and do for the last four games i mean i'm just curious to yeah, see yeah. you take coach this, roulette just yeah spin the wheel. <laughs> take this the same exact talent that you have right now on this football team and just put the mold of clay in the middle of a t- the table and bring in i can't think of anybody like josh mcdaniels like a josh, Let's McDaniels. See what josh mcdaniels could do what a josh mcdaniels could do just somebody like that bring them in and say all right Let's get a game plan here for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Let's forget about Cincinnati because, I mean, we are pretty sure, <laughs> sure. they're going to beat the Bengals. Well, I mean, we don't know for sure, but, um, you know, and draw it up to, to scheme it up against the Baltimore Ravens and see what yeah. they would come up with. Well, you two saw it in person, what a guy like uh, Kyle Shanahan can do with two talented running backs. Right. This is, without question, the, best, the two best running backs in the right. NFL, the duo. Right. So what a guy like he, him could do... Uh, with these weapons available, um, we I guess we can only wonder. You know, they call, they call it fantasy or Madden for a reason. Um, Mary Kay, very quickly, I do want to circle back. You mentioned um, Baker Mayfield's hand injury. Yep, uh, hurt that right before halftime on that real. Dan, it was funny. You said how odd the drive was uh, to close out the half in Pittsburgh, and this was before uh, the Baker Mayfield hit his his throwing hand. On uh, was it Cam? Bud, Bud Dupree's face mask? Bud Dupree's face mask. Yep, and then, then he leaves. Then Odell leaves. Really, just an odd end of the half. Got even more strange. Uh, then there were rumblings that Baker wouldn't be ready to go in the second half. Turned out X-rays were negative. Baker Mayfield returns. Wore a glove for the rest of the second half. Didn't look himself. Whether that's due to the glove or the pass rush, that's remained to be seen. Uh, but just quickly, Mary Kay, what did you learn today about the hand and what can Browns fans expect going forward? Well, he did not practice at all today. He has not thrown since that game in Pittsburgh. He's letting the hand rest. Uh, he's he's wearing, uh, he's it's taped to kind of keep the swelling down a little bit. Uh, they're still calling it a bruise or a contusion. Uh, you know, sometimes I wonder about those things. A lot of times you hear... Uh, you know, after a season, oh, yeah, he was playing with a broken hand. How many times have we heard that? I've heard that so many times. All of a sudden, the mysterious broken bone pops up. Uh, But they're saying that it's not broken. So, you know, we have to go with that for now. Uh, He says he will throw tomorrow. uh, So that's good. But I think he'll still be limited. He's going to have to be limited probably almost all the way up until game time, which, of course, isn't going to help this team because they do need 
uh, time on task. They do need reps together uh, because, once again, for whatever reason, they're still not quite there yet. Mary Kay, one thing I thought was really interesting that you kept uh, sprinkling in towards the early parts of the season when we all were still trying to you know, talk about the way Cleveland can still sneak into the playoffs and make this right. You said, hey, everyone, be, keep an eye on this. Everyone's healthy. You know, you have to bake in these yes. injuries that happen in the NFL. Right. Just, just look at the Steelers, for example. Um, now we're at a point where Baker Mayfield is finally banged up due to probably yep. what we saw coming with this offensive line. Right. Um, is there something here that the Browns really may have just missed a chance this season with a how weak it seems the middle to bottom parts of the AFC are, mm-hmm. and two. This team offensively has remained pretty healthy, if you will. Like, mm-hmm. does it feel like this is just a, a real missed opportunity when we may look back on this season two, three, four years from now? Well, it is definitely because Ben Roethlisberger isn't even playing yeah. this season. Right. Now, nobody knows how Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back from this elbow injury, uh, but... I'm sure the Steelers will do things to upgrade their offense yeah. uh, or their football team in the offseason because they're a good organization, and that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, so they will get better next year, yeah. especially if they don't make the playoffs this year. So either Ben will be back or they'll somehow they'll be better. They're the Steelers. You know, they're the Steelers. I mean, yeah. they, they know how to do that. Um, you will expect the Bengals to be better next year one way or another. And... Um, you know, and this is going to be a running theme for the next how many ever years. The Browns are going to have to contend with Lamar Jackson for potentially what? Maybe the next decade yeah, or so? It's not going anywhere. You know, I mean, they may have hit lightning in a bottle with Lamar Jackson. Right. And therefore, the Browns are going to, yeah, I do see it as a, as a wasted opportunity because, you know, they could have at least gotten a wild card spot yeah. this year if they would have had their act together. It was a tough schedule. I mean, sure. there's no doubt about it. It was a tough schedule. I mean, you're, but you're going to look back at the Denver game against Brandon Allen. You're going to look back at this Steelers game against Devlin Hodges and James Washington and Benny's. Not that James Washington is a bad player. These are good players. But again, a guy making his second career start. You should be able to find a way to mess him up. Yep. Titan, the Titans game with uh, the quarterback who's on the bench now yeah, yes. for Tennessee, Marcus yeah. Mariota. Yeah. Absolutely. See, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because... Uh, it might get lost in history, but the Titans that are catching momentum right now, that's not the Tennessee team you guys saw in week one, right? Right. No. Yeah. Not no. at all. I mean, they they still had Derrick Henry, but it was Marcus sure. Mariota who got benched, and they've they've been winning their games with Ryan Tannehill. And yeah. Taylor Lewan wasn't even in that game. You're right. Taylor Lewan was not in that he game. He sat out that game. But that's, I mean, that's the other thing about the AFC. Like, this is an opportunity game. And so you've got Pittsburgh, who's 7-5, and five, but you should have beaten them twice. You, you beat them once. Uh, they're seven and five. They don't have their starting quarterback and a bunch of other guys right now. And they lost on top of that, Antonio Brown and, and Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got Tennessee, who's been on this little run. Oakland, who's kind of falling off a little bit. They're six and six, but the Browns haven't been able to take advantage. Indianapolis is ahead of you. They lost their future Hall of Fame quarterback to retirement mm-hmm. uh, out of nowhere. Like Jeez. you know, during a preseason game, the news broke that they were playing. Yep, uh, and. and You've gotten some other breaks, too. You know, the Chargers have been terrible this year. Uh, the, the Jets have not lived up to the hype. Uh, there, there's other teams that haven't really held up their end of the bargain. And the Browns just haven't been able to take advantage of it. No, and it's it's really unfortunate because, um, you know, this was the year 
that you looked at this division and you just thought nobody really knew that Lamar was going to be this good. Right. Uh, but even with him being that good, like Dan just mentioned, all these other teams, I mean, really? You can't have a better record than, like you said, Colts, Raiders. I mean, how how about that? We haven't even talked about the Bills. Josh yeah. Allen, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, second-year guy. Why can the Bills – now, their schedule was, I think, a lot easier right. than the Browns' schedule. Right. But still, I think Brian Dayball and their quarterbacks coach, Ken Dorsey, are doing an amazing job with Josh Allen. We've seen these other quarter, some of these other quarterbacks in that class take that 25% leap up that John Dorsey expected Baker Mayfield to take, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what he wanted out of Baker Mayfield. Well, that's what Josh Allen has done. That's what Lamar Jackson has done. Now, Sam Darnold... Maybe another story because sure. he missed four games with mono, and it was it was a very difficult year for him. He he's done some nice things, uh, but Baker hasn't taken that step up this year, and that's disturbing. So th- that's an interesting jumping off point here. Um, before we get into insider questions, I want to ask you guys: Does Freddie Kitchens get the the majority of the blame here, or is this a position where we need to look at John Dorsey, who took a quarterback first overall? and expected him to make that type of jump that you said, Mary Kay, and is now looking at two other quarterbacks who have and his own who hasn't. You know what? I'm going to go with um, that. That Right now I'm going to say it's coaching coaching issues. Yeah, I, I'm going to say that you need to take this quarterback, this roster, this lineup of talent, and you need to do way more with it than this offensive staff has done with it. I think there are problems. I think there are issues on this offense. And... I don't know if the problems are correctable. I don't know if they are. Uh, but something's got to be done in the offseason. Either they have to get in there and diagnose those problems mm-hmm. and see if they can figure them out, or they have to blow it up and start over because this is unacceptable. Well, he, and, and here's where I, I think you do put the blame on John Dorsey. He didn't do enough on the offensive line. Yep. You know, He traded away Kevin Zeitler for Olivier Vernon. You know, that trade... Yeah, I honestly I don't know how Zeitler's doing in New York. I'm sure he's doing fine. Uh, you know, Olivier Vernon has been good but not great. Uh, but that that's a deal he made. But the problem there is he expected Austin Corbett to kind of step in and, and take that role. And his own draft pick didn't work out. He hasn't been able to really fix that spot. He's made a couple deals to bring guys in. He's got Wyatt Teller there now. He he kind of ignored the offensive line. Not kind of, he did ignore the offensive line. So that that's one area. And the other area is He's the guy that hired Freddie Kitchens, as, as far as we know. He's the guy that looked at Freddie Kitchens, said, this guy called a great half season. I'm going to make him the head coach to lead my second-year quarterback. And if Kitchens ends up being a mistake, that's a mistake that has to land on John Dorsey. So I think those are the two areas where I'd look at and say, you know, yeah, it might be a coaching problem, but John Dorsey also has to share in that blame because he's the guy that picked Freddie Kitchens and, and kind of trumpeted him as the guy to lead this team into probably their their season of the highest expectations, or at least the you know two or three seasons where they're going to have the highest expectations they've had for a few years. I think they have a big decision to make in the offseason. Yeah. I really do. I think uh, that they have to take an unflinching look at this and really ask themselves, do they have what they need to get to the next level? Do they have what they, they need to try to beat the Ravens going forward now? And you have to look down the road and to beating the Steelers and that defense now. Um and if they don't feel like they have what they need in place to get this team to the playoffs and eventually to the Super Bowl, then um, you know then they might have to consider making a change, even though nobody wants to do that after one year. Yeah. But 
sometimes you have to ask yourself, I mean, if it's really not working, then sometimes you have to cut your losses, even if it's only one year. And that's what they're going to have to figure out. That's, that's what John Dorsey is going to have to dig in there and figure out. And it's going to take talking to, I mean, they really need to talk to people on this team too. I mean, I'm sure the players would give them oh, yeah. an earful about certain things, um, but you really need to do your due diligence and find out what's going on behind the scenes, what's going on on game day, and why is it not working right? Yeah, I mean, the the problem, Freddie Kitchens has been a play caller now for 20 games yeah. yep. and a head coach for 12, and it shows. Right. I mean, I wouldn't even need to tell you that. And you could watch what's happened this year and say, oh, that guy hasn't been doing this very long. That's for sure. And it's it's concerning. Maybe he'll grow into the role. You know, maybe th- maybe the Browns stick by him. And three or four years from now, we're all sitting on this podcast saying, hey, we were wrong. Yeah. Freddie Kitchens was a, a budding genius and good job, John Dorsey, in noticing that. Uh, but you you take a lot of risk because even if this season wasn't necessarily supposed to be your season where you make that leap. Next year definitely is. You have to make the playoffs. You have to be an AFC contender next season. And you have to decide if you can entrust Freddie Kitchens to help this team take that step. Dan, so let's say you and I are building the case for why uh, this is more John Dorsey's fault than Freddie Kitchens. You already listed the reason you know, for selecting Freddie as your, your guy here. Um, where do you put uh, the decision to draft and then ultimately the failure of the Austin Corbett pick uh, you know, obviously your head coach is one thing and one offensive lineman is another, but do you see that selection now really rearing its head as a glaring mistake for this team and ultimately John Dorsey? And, I mean, it was a bad pick, but I, I also think it's a pick that's sort of, I mean, you want to, you want to get something out of the number 33 pick, obviously, you know, you want to come away from that and say, okay, this guy's a starter or this guy's a contributor. But at the same time, I think that's sort of been held up and trumpeted for people who kind of just want to take shots at Dorsey. Sure. He did pick Baker Mayfield, who I think a lot of people still believe in. And and I certainly still believe he can be a good quarterback. He picked Denzel Ward, who I think can still be a really good cornerback. Nick Chubb is already among the best running backs in the league. Those are three of your top four picks. Brought in Kareem Hunt. Yeah, brought in Kareem. Chad Thomas in that draft is another guy that people kind of held up and said, oh, this guy's a bust. Why'd he pick him? And now he's actually playing pretty well even with miles garrett suspended so he he's getting some things out of that now obviously the back half of that draft has taken some hits with callaway and and Jannard avery getting traded sure. and, and things like that but um you know there were ways to fix the right guard position even if austin corbett didn't work out you you miss on picks we we know that and it looks like he did okay on three of those first four picks sure. there's still a couple things we need to see but uh you know i I wish that it there were a contributor there. I wish that guy wasn't over playing in L.A. right now, starting for the Rams, and I, I wish he would have taken the right guard job. But I, I don't think the Corbett pick is like this poster child for why John Dorsey for for a John Dorsey failure. I think he's still done a good job building this roster. And here's the th- another thing that you have to ask yourself when you are making this decision in the offseason about Freddie Kitchens: Do, if you decide that you want to turn the play calling over to someone else. Is he the face of the franchise leader that you want to take your football team into the next decade or, you know, for the lead your team yeah. for the next decade? Yeah. So if, if you take away play calling, is he still the guy? Right. Play calling is what got him the job. I mean, do you take the play calling away? Would you take the play calling away, Dan? I'd, I'd have to think about it. Gosh, that's tough. 
Yeah, I mean, you have to consider it. The offense hasn't been good. Right. (laughs) I mean, you'd have to consider it. Part of it, though, is how proud he seemed. I don't know if proud's the right word, but just hell-bent on that he's not relinquishing that responsibility. That's right. That calling is, it's almost like his baby. Right. So is there even a world where Freddie Kitchens wants to be the head coach of this football team without play calling like would he feel degraded in some way well I, I just, it, nobody wants play calling taken away from that <laughs> sure sure nobody that calls plays ever wants accepted i guess is what i'm asking right and I, I so i guess that would have to be uh one thing that might be on the table where they say look like the, the operation isn't running smoothly not only is it the flow of the game and the fact that it just doesn't have any oomph and that it can't yeah. Uh, it can't succeed in the red zone and it can't do all these other things that you need it to do third down and all that. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't have efficiency, right? I mean, they're taking too yeah. long to get the plays. How many times do you look out there and they're not lined up right? Yeah. They're struggling to get yeah. lined up upright or they're struggling to get guys in and off the field. Yep. I mean, it's, it's just not efficient. So, you know, that can't be, it's 12 games into the season those kind of procedural errors, it's inexcusable at this point. Right. They're not they're not efficient or incredible at any one particular thing. Like they're they're not lined up hundred percent accurate all the time. They're not playoff proof hundred percent of the time. And they're not even at this point running cool gadget plays hundred percent. Right. They really don't do that very much. You yeah, know? you know, but there's just really not like even, right. even if you could put together a highlight reel of kitchens like, oh look at these seven plays that just were incredible or right. still sports center. You know, some some popular opinion there. Right. Instead with Freddie Kitchens, it's a it's a t shirt that gets this guy going viral right. and not the stuff happening on the field. And the other the other thing too is if the only reason you're the head coach is you're a play caller, that that's sort of a problem. I, you know, I, I think I'm trying to think of other guys that are in that role. A guy like Sean McVay, right? He's the play caller. But let's say for whatever reason, you know, after this season, because their offense hasn't been the same, he says, ah, you know what, I'm going to give up play calling. We also know that Sean McVay is very much a culture setter. He has a, an approach to right. the whole thing. He oversees everything that happens there. Uh, you know, obviously, he lets uh, Wade Phillips run the defense, but he is the head coach. We know that. Uh, you know, Andy Reid is maybe a guy that if he gave up the play calling, it would be like, oh, that's weird. I wonder... You know what that's all about, but why would he do that? He's a great play caller. So with Freddie Kitchens, it's you know you can't just be so tied to play calling that if you give it up, it's kind of like a sure. what, what would you say you do here now? Right, yeah. you've got to be the head coach and you've got to be willing to say I'm I'm going to give this up to somebody else, even if it's just temporary. I'm going to let somebody else do this for a little while, and maybe one day I'll take it back. But for right now, I'm going to give this up and I'm just going to be the coach. Yeah. And what do you hang your hat on if you take play calling away from him? It has it would have to be leadership, getting guys to run through a wall for you. And I see some issues going on on this football team in that regard, uh, in addition to the shirt, which we didn't get a chance to talk about that in our previous podcast. And we're probably not going to I mean, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because, you know, we don't want to beat a dead horse. But I think that it, it must be noted that that was an egregious error by a head coach who had just told his team all week, it's about the game. We're not thinking about that fight anymore. Uh, Anything that overshadows this game and doing our job is unacceptable. And that's a mistake you can't make. Can you see Bill Belichick (laughs) wearing that shirt? Seriously. Well, the other thing you can't do is you can't go up there after you lose the game and double down yeah right. and say i'd wear it again yeah you can't at say the that. very least go up there and if you don't think it's a big deal go up there and just own it publicly and say hey you know what yeah I, I messed up i shouldn't have worn the shirt 
it was a bad look. You know, if you want to give the background of it, that's fine. But just say yeah. it was a mistake. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's why we lost the game, but I yeah. shouldn't have done it. It was a bad look for a head coach. Right. You know, now I'll take some questions. Yes, exactly. But don't stand up there and say, oh, I'd wear that I shirt I would do again it again. After you just lost. Yeah, no, Hodges. you would I don't not think the do shirt, it. I don't think the shirt's why they won or lost that. I don't think anyone is saying, there's this Twitter sort of narrative where people are saying anyone who criticizes the shirt says that's why the Browns lost. I don't think the Browns lost because of the shirt. The Steelers obviously noticed the shirt. They had some very strong words about it after the game. Right. But they didn't lose that game because of the shirt. It doesn't mean it wasn't a good look, and it doesn't mean it wasn't something right. he... He should not have done it. That's, right. He that's should not have done it. And you're exactly right. And he should have owned that he shouldn't have done it. And and again, yeah, he shouldn't have said, I would do it again. So you have to ask yourself those kinds of questions. You know, is the leadership exactly what you need it to be? Right. And, you know, I see other issues on this football team. Something's going on with Demarius Randall. Things are going on with Rashard Higgins. Something's going on with David Njoku. You know, his forte last year was getting the players to love him and run through a wall for him. And now we hear, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. standing up at the podium and saying, yeah, no, I um, I, I had mixed emotions when I scored my touchdown because all I could think of was I should have been in yeah. here a lot more this season. Yeah. I mean, there, I think there's a lot of players that sort of aren't happy with how things have gone. And nobody should be happy at five and seven. Right. But. You know, I just don't know that there's that uh, same love affair going on. Yeah, you're only a, a player's coach until your players don't have your back anymore. Right. And I think maybe the T-shirt could have been a, a mini rallying cry for the Browns had they gone there and won. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look, Freddie's got his guys back, didn't care, went out and wore the T-shirt. Right. Like, we've seen sticks like that work before in right. professional sports, college sports, all across. But when you can't back it up, that's where it becomes a problem, and you're, you're really playing a high-risk game here. Before we get into uh, – take a quick break and get into our Football Insider questions, I want to ask you guys very quickly, um, Hot Chicken Takeover doesn't sponsor this by any means, but you know, I live right uh, above one, and I think it's fitting for here, for this, what I'm about to ask. So Hot Chicken Takeover has you – you can pick your heat for the, the type of chicken you order. There's cold, warm, hot, and then holy – uh, described as, you know, warm is hotter than most mediums, hot is the real deal, and then holy is, you know, the pound sign at symbol, probably for curse words I can't say on this podcast. So I'm just going to ask you both very quickly, cold, warm, hot, or holy, uh, Freddie Kitchen's seat right now. I'm going to say warm. I, I don't think it's hot yet. I think it's probably a little warm. It, it's to the point where, you know, maybe there's some folks in there thinking, eh, do we have the right guy for this job? And, you know, I, I think he's got a chance to sort of like last year look really good against twice against a bad Cincinnati team, you know, hopefully go to Arizona and, and beat up on a, a bad Arizona defense. Uh, and, and I think that'll leave a good taste in people's mouths. But I, th- I think he's uh, to stay with the food analogy. I, I think it's I think it's warm. <laughs> I, it. I wouldn't go much more than warm. Yeah, I would say warm as well. But the, here's the funny part about all of this. You know, we all talk like. They have absolutely no chance whatsoever uh, to to win out. And really, I think they're going to beat the Bengals twice. You sure hope. Or this will go from warm to probably holy. Yes. And I think that they can probably beat Arizona. I mean, you never really know. You have to go on the road and try to do that. Kyler Murray's got a little bit of a a groin injury right now. Who knows if he's even going to play in that game. 
but you should be able to win those three games. So really it comes down to beating the Ravens in that December 22nd game. Now, it would be very helpful if you had your best defensive player in Miles Garrett. Sure would. Um, in that game. But, um, and you know, it seems, the chances seem slim to none that the Browns can beat the Ravens again. But you never know. I mean, you really never know. Yep. And so therefore, they still have a chance to finish 9-7. and seven. Right. And if they finish 9-7, and seven, see, I'm back. Sounding crazy. Back believing. Back this, believing. This might be time for the break. I was going right <laughs> to say, last time we recorded this, the Browns had a chance to win the AFC North. So at- 34% yeah. their chances go up if they can finish. So all if they, they, really they went out do- in a vacuum, according to the New York yes. Times thing, that's kind of fun to play around with, 34%. Right. That's not looking at any other games. It's just winning out in a vacuum, which, of course... Right. Includes beating a Ravens team that hasn't lost since the Browns beat them right. back in September. And here's what happened with those crazy, wily Ravens. They were unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, exactly I, I, looked, I looked at their schedule, and I thought, my goodness, they have to, pl- they have to try to beat the 49ers and the, <laughs> and the Patriots and the Rams yeah. on the road yeah. and the Seahawks, yep. right? And they're doing it all. Yeah. And they beat them all. Yeah. And no one saw it coming, to, to your point. No one Nobody saw, saw them cutting a swath through the whole entire NFL yep. Yep. while the Browns were losing to Devlin Hodges. Can you imagine? Well, listen, you know, into some of the Twitter people out there, you know, Browns fans, it's like, clearly, Mary Kay believes. Like, she, she, there's, this is not over any, by any means. So, um, take some, take some merit in that. And as for Hot Chicken Takeover, no sponsor segment here, but, Felt that was fitting. Uh, appreciate, you know, the, their meals there. Have you guys been able to get there? Have some Not yet. Over? Haven't, no. Yeah, they I, don't let us out of Berea. That's fair. That's fair. We just are there 24-7. Yeah, yeah. I, I drive home and luckily just get to see one. So <laughs> it works out for me. But all right, listeners, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back, so don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Ellis Williams, joined as always by Browns Beat writers Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. Before we get into your football insider questions, here's Mary Kay to tell you how you can get signed up. Well, we have our wonderful Browns Insider premium content where every single day we give you guys one piece of content that you won't find anywhere else on the site. We all contribute to that. Uh, Ellis, Dan, me, Scott Pasco. Uh, The other thing that comes with this is subtext. You can get text from us right to your phone. There will be breaking news analysis, things that we see out on the practice field, injury news, updates. Uh, We're really going to be making a big, huge push in subtext. Everyone's going to join in now. We're all going to be participating in these texts, and you're not going to want to miss them. Uh, This all happens for $3.99 a month, and you can find it on cleveland.com slash browns. There you go. That is how you get your questions and much more to this podcast. So let's get right to it from the 561 area code asking, since we saw what seemed to be a disconnect with Richard Higgins trying to come back from injury, is there any sense of the same disconnect or frustration going on right now with David Njoku? So the background there, uh, Njoku was activated a couple weeks ago, still has not uh, returned to the playing field despite being in practice. Uh, you hear the question, Mary Kay, what, what, do you, what is your sense of going on? What's going on with David Njoku right now? Well, the way it started with Richard is Richard felt like he was ready to play way 
sooner than Freddie thought he was ready to play. And there became a disconnect between those two, and it just escalated, and it got worse to the point where Richard's not recovering from that. I mean, he's just not. He's occasionally, he was targeted, he's just never targeted anymore. He was targeted a few times in this past game and didn't catch any of the three, but uh, because things deteriorated so much. And now something similar seems to be going on with David Njoku. He's frustrated. He wants to play. He's ready. He, he thought he was ready two games ago against the Dolphins. Freddie's not seeing it yet. He feels like the other guys have been in there. They've paid their dues. They've done what they needed to do. And, uh, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's made no promises even about this week against the Bengals. So I don't know if he's going to play or not, but it does remind me of the Richard, Richard situation. We're, I mean, we're coming up on the deadline, too, to where they have they have yeah. 21 days to, to activate him. And I don't remember what the exact date was, but now it's been two games. And when Njoku talked to us for the first time, it, he was real happy, seemed excited to be out there. And it's not a shock that he wasn't back for that first game. But then the next time we talked to him at his locker, was a little grumpier. Yeah. Didn't really want to talk too much. And then he wasn't active for this game. And I, here's here's another question that I would have about a, a coaching strategy. Even if David Njoku isn't 100% in shape, even if he's not in the football shape you want him to be in, you can't find two or three snaps for the guy. You, Damian Ratley was active on Sunday. He played one offensive snap. He did not play at all on special teams. So it's not like he's out there, he's active because he's great on special teams. He's an extra receiver. Why can't you have David Njoku active, wait for an opportunity like, I don't know, when you're going to run a play for uh, Demetrius Harris in the back of the end zone, a play that hasn't worked now on at least three occasions in a yep. game? Yep. Throw him out there and just see if he can make one play for you. I mean, that's how, that's how football works. Sometimes you just have to see if a guy can go make a play for you. And, and I know that maybe the argument is, well, you know, if he's out there, you're, you're throwing the ball. Okay, who cares? So throw the ball. <laughs> you know, just see if he can go make one single play for you that can help you win a football game. You had Olivier Vernon. He had 10 snaps. Mm-hmm. You should be able to find three or four snaps for David Njoku, even if he's not. And I don't know what the reasoning is when, when I say not in shape. I'm not saying that's the reasoning, but if that is the reasoning or whatever it is, you've got to be able to find a few snaps for this guy, especially again, if you can have somebody like Damian Ratley active to play one snap. Yeah. And you would just have to think you can throw the ball up to David Njoku and throw a touchdown pass into the end zone to a tight end. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. I, I think that they can do that. They demonstrated last year that they had a little bit of chemistry and if he took the step up this year that everybody expected him to make, give it a shot. Yeah, and this is also a, a piece of the future that the Browns, you know, John Dorsey need to figure out, is this actually a piece going forward that we want around? And until you see him on the field, I don't know how you can evaluate that. So definitely something to watch going forward. And with how much Baker Mayfield targets his tight ends in the red zone, you'd think he'd get an opportunity if he's on the field. It just remains to be seen. And even, even for that one play, if he goes out there and lines up in the slot, Guess what? Pittsburgh has to account for him now. They're going to be saying, oh, there's 85. They threw to him a ton in the red zone last year. Be ready for him. You know, it's just one of those things where it's one more thing Pittsburgh has to think about, one more thing that they have to think about in the week leading up to the game, and then when he steps on the field, maybe you catch him scrambling a little bit, and Najoku's not the one that catches it, but all of a sudden, Jarvis Landry is wide open. I, I just think there's... Like I said, you got to find one or two snaps for this guy. It almost seems like it falls into that category with like the Jannard Averys, where it seems like there's a player that has 
some value and some ability and can help this football team. And for whatever reason, they're not in good standing uh, with the current coaching staff. And that seems like the case right now with these guys. Yep, a theme, and it does not stop. So, uh, again, remains to be seen. Uh, we'll follow it closely going forward. For our next question from the 440, short and simple, simply, what is going on with the Marys Randall? So, Mary Kay, I will throw that to you. Uh, update listeners on what has been going on and just uh, the, what you found out today. Well, you know, Demarius is being very tight-lipped about this. I did ask him about the rumors that were going around that have been actually uttered on radio and television that I've seen. I've heard uh, people actually say that he did not want to go out and practice in the cold. That just doesn't sound right to me. I asked Demarius about that today, and he said, uh, you know, I played in Green Bay. Y'all are crazy. So um, so we, did, we haven't really gotten to the bottom of that yet. I haven't gotten to the bottom of it. You know I've been trying. Uh, but he's just not ready to quite talk about it yet. But what this means going forward is he's not going to be here next year. Yep. You don't bench someone with four games to go in the biggest game of the season to date that you absolutely need to win. You need to go into Pittsburgh and win this football game, and you're going to bench your starting free safety. Okay, if you're going to do that, you're probably not re-signing him in the offseason. So I think this meant goodbye to Demarius. And this is one area where I will give Freddie Kitchens credit. I mean, we've obviously been very, very hard on him on this podcast, uh, but you know, I will give him credit in this regard without knowing what happened. I'll give him credit for whatever happened. It was egregious enough that he decided Demarius Randall shouldn't play. If you are trying to create a culture. You know, that that's one way to do it. We'll see how this plays out over the course of the next month and, and however long. Uh, but I will give him credit for this is a guy that needs to win football games that needed to win that football game. And he left a key player at home because he did something that he thought was egregious enough to do that. So, uh, you know, I, I think at least at this point, without knowing exactly what happened, I think Freddie Kitchens deserves credit for doing that. Yeah, and that's again, I, w- I would agree with that, Dan. And back to Mary Kay's point. It's just it all falls under the same umbrella of the oddities happening within this team. And it seems everything is case by case and personality with personality. And I guess we won't know till you know, the season's over and these guys move on. Maybe what happened, but none of it is good when you're, like you said, Mary Kay, benching. You're starting free safety before mm-hmm. the most important game of the season. It, it, and you have to wonder what these players who are the ones going out there and battling think. You know, it's not like... We already discussed earlier how clearly not everyone has Freddie's back, so these guys must be wondering how does this continue to happen. Uh, they've got enough stuff to worry about on the field, and all there seems to be more and more stuff to worry about off the field, which when you're rupturing from the inside like that, you're going to implode, and that's probably what we saw in Pittsburgh. Uh, one more question here from the 330 asking, how much is to blame for the DBs for the Browns' loss in Pittsburgh? We talked about James Washington's career game. Uh, really, there was just some high balls there that the DBs didn't play well. But really, more after the game, it was Freddie Kitchens laying into his defensive back saying, you know, when he got a question about the T-shirt, he said, well, me wearing that T-shirt didn't cause our <laughs> cause us to give up 40-yard passes. You know, he really it was no holds barred on these DBs. So just from what you guys saw from your reflection, how much blame do, do land on the defensive backs here? A position that this team's invested heavily in both uh, with draft picks and financially. Well, Freddie went into the game during the week saying that he wants more from Denzel Ward, okay? And I went and counted it up, and heading into that game, he had only had one interception in his last 19 games. I mean, that that really is not enough 
from the number four overall pick. Mm -hmm. You would like to get a little bit more uh, production, more game-changing production out of that player. Um, But again, he missed some time this season uh, with a hamstring injury. Both he and Greedy did. And, you know, I think when that happens, it, it sets you back. I think it sets you back, and, you know, I don't know that they have ever really been 100% since then or have caught up since then, but let's assume that they have. Um, But I think they both need to continue to work on their technique. I do think they both need to continue attacking the ball, uh, like Freddie said. But also, you know, I do think this matters. When you don't have your best defensive player out there getting pressure up front, uh, it strains the back end a little bit. And I think that it's having that ripple effect on your football team not to have Miles Garrett in these in these very important football games. Yeah, I, I mean, I actually thought coming into this game, I, I felt like Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams were playing okay, I, I, especially Denzel. I thought he was starting to look more like that corner we saw last year. Obviously, the interception numbers aren't there, uh, but there were some plays that were, you know, I think he's the one that tipped the ball that Morgan Burnett intercepted in the first Steelers game. So, you know, you know we see some things like that. And, and I do think quarterbacks, there's a reason quarterbacks are throwing at Greedy Williams more. Part of it is because he's a rookie. Part of it is because maybe they don't want to throw on Denzel Ward as much. But they both took a step back. Uh, part of it could have been in a weird way. And Ellis, you kind of touched on this. Maybe some of those deep balls from Duck Hodges were such ducks. Again, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, that maybe it was hard for them to adjust to. You know, They're used to a better ball. And, and maybe it was hard for them to adjust to. That's one giant excuse, obviously. Uh, but the other thing to spin this back on Freddie, you can't say the t-shirt didn't give up 40 yard passes. Like the, what, what's the value in saying that after a game in a press conference, we know on Monday mornings or, you know, whenever they sit down and watch this film and go through team meetings, they're going to be brutally honest. And they're going to tell these guys, Hey, you messed up here. You need to do better here. That doesn't have to go from the meeting room to a press conference, especially when you're answering a question about something stupid that you did. That's (laughs) really, that's really a bad look. And these guys, these guys hear that and, and know that. Right. And there has been a little bit of a, uh, a sea change in how he answers some of those things. Remember in the beginning, right. It was always like, that's coaching. It's it's on on us. It's on me. It's on us. And I think he's been advised by Bill Parcells and some other people (laughs) to stop putting that all on himself, the penalties and all those kinds of things, and to start saying, you know, I don't coach penalties, that's up to the players. Now, all of a sudden, like, it's just 180, yeah. like, execution. We don't, that line, you know, that yep. the shirt didn't give, that should be a shirt. Seriously. The shirt didn't give up, <laughs> the shirt didn't give up. 40-yard passes. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I know. We, we should have Dave Anderson, our video guy, put a side-by-side of uh, Freddie Weeks, like, one through four pressers yeah. and towards the end of the year. His net, more than just his tone, literally his message has changed. Yeah. It's completely 180. Uh, he, no, go ahead. Uh, and, and even to kind of double back on that one, he's asked about Demarius Randall to say, well, you know, a middle safety wouldn't have helped on any of those throws. Yeah. even that's sort of a little like uh, okay but maybe he would have (laughs) yeah i I don't know um but yeah it's it's just things like that you've just got to do a better job because again be as hard on these guys as you want in meetings and behind closed doors because that's your job as a head coach and and as a position coach and a coordinator is to get these guys better but it can't you can't then come into the media room and say the exact same things speaking of t-shirts 
Have we used the phrase, mama didn't raise a wuss uh, yet today? <laughs> I think we forgot. Baker Mayfield, when asked why he's so confident he will play on Sunday despite this bruised hand that he has, uh, he said, mama didn't raise a wuss. So he'll be out there. Yeah, that that man's always filled with one-liners. You know, we got, we got nothing to worry about when it comes to Baker. So uh, before we get out of here, we're going to wrap up with uh, something we like to do called Life on the Beat, uh, with it being the Thanksgiving holiday and uh, Brown's playing in Pittsburgh. Uh, I had the opportunity to thankfully head home for a quick couple days, spend time with family. Hadn't seen them since I moved out here like, I don't know, three, four months ago. It's all a blur now. We're in the, yeah. in the middle of the NFL season, but uh, it was nice to be with them. I returned home with a, with a small cold, so I appreciate all my cousins out there uh, coughing on the turkey and all that good stuff. I knew <laughs> when I saw that that I was going to be in trouble yep. and getting on those airplanes. Um, but then, no, then getting to Pittsburgh, I will just say this. Uh, Pittsburgh really kicked my butt. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Dave, Dave Campbell, who approves our expense reports, might want to just stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to miss anything, I promise. Yeah, cut this one out, Dave. You'll, you'll, you'll see the expense report uh, soon because uh, I, I was responsible. I got down there early only to spend about 30 minutes driving around the stadium or wherever the heck I was trying to find parking. Ended up just saying, all right, I need to just get into this one ramp. I pull in, I see the $40 tag in my mind. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to expense this. My new bosses aren't going to be too happy. Whatever, we live and we learn. I pull up, and what do you know? It says cash only. Oh. Well, who in the heck runs a parking garage with cash only? Clearly, you you have to be from Pittsburgh and know this is your spot to be ready for it. Oh. I had no idea. You can see where this is going. I don't have forty dollars cash on me. Check your pockets right now, listeners. You probably don't either. This is <laughs> we live in the a Venmo <laughs> credit card world now, right. so the money is digital, as Drake once said. Um, so I, now I'm in a pickle. I've got four cars behind me. No oh cash. no! Luckily, the police officers there were very kind. They had everyone back up. Somehow they had like a little reserve spot. This must happen from time to time. Yeah, they were ready for me. A parking spot. They uh, told me, okay, you go inside, up the elevator. Glass doors, ATM, you know, great 450 ATM fee, all that jazz. Yeah, right. Uh, just to run back downstairs and hand in my $40 and get in my parking spot. So the story ends fine, and I got to the game plenty of time, probably an hour before I would have liked to because I was there <laughs> yeah. a bit earlier. But um, I guess my advice is try to ask a friend where to park when you head to a new stadium, but also uh, just – if you're running a parking garage, don't say cash only ever. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess in their defense, the garage was filled and they made all their money. Um, but it really puts puts the consumer in a tough spot there. Um, and then when I got there, I found out that some of my colleagues had a, had a little better luck parking. I don't know, Dan, or do you want to share share the well, knowledge you have with the Pittsburgh so, area? So Pittsburgh is tough because they don't have very much media parking. And a lot of media from Cleveland goes to that game, too, so that sort of saps it all up and it's i literally never get a parking pass on the road almost i never do because i'm flying in i don't rent cars i just uber around uh very rarely do we actually use parking passes so i never get one and for pittsburgh you know they offer them to us but usually they get eaten up and you know whatever i'll figure it out so i got a tip park downtown incredible who knew <laughs> Like I, and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, if I park downtown, I'm going to be paying 50 bucks. Yeah, they got a, a free, they got a free train that goes right next to the stadium. It was really quick. It was there when I, when I left at night, I was close enough to walk during in the morning. It was maybe like a mile. And then, you know, on the way back, I went and got on the train right out of the media gate. 
It was it was fantastic. Shout out Pittsburgh Public Transit. Now I did have to park in this garage where I just kept going down and down and down. So I don't know how close I was to the core of the earth, but <laughs> it was it was all well lit. It was safe. It was right near the train station. It was perfect. Uh, I don't know if I should say how much I paid because I, I don't want to make uh, I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but it was significantly less than forty dollars. <laughs> just a little bit. Well, two things come I to mind. I might have paid more for the food I ate on my way home. <laughs> Dan is really good about taking trains and walking down into the core of the earth. He's very brave about those kinds of things. And he's really good at using, uh, you know, Google Transit and all that kind of stuff on his maps. Yep. And, you know, I'm always afraid that if I'm in a new city and I'm by myself and I get on some train that I'm going to end up, you know, going to Philadelphia yeah. instead of wherever I want to go. Yep. So. Uh, you have to have a little guts to try some of that public transportation. And Dan is the king of using it. He's he's really, really good at it. Seriously, listeners, take notes. I, you, believe me, I am because next time I'm in Pittsburgh, I'm going to be ready. I'm not going to I'm not going to get got like that again, if you will, because that was it hurt the pockets. And after hearing Dan's story, I'm just like, man, Pittsburgh beat my butt. And the other thing is, I just did my expense accounts last night and I put in for the free night. Remember that I got in Denver oh, because yeah. there was no. So we can take your parking and even, I hear through the grapevine, Doug's parking there you go. in Pittsburgh yep. and put it together. And you still don't come up with the money I saved us on the room in Denver. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? That is, it comes full circle. And Doug, if you're listening, I, did, I didn't mean to snitch on you. I apologize. <laughs> just, you were part of the story, man. So you just had happened to come up. Um, so yeah, there you have it. There, life on the beat. Uh, lovely Thanksgiving holiday. That you know, off the off the record, I was talking to you guys. Sounds like you guys had a nice time with your family. Mary Cat, I know you had a house full. Yes, it sounds like it was that. great. Yep. Um, so good time of year. Uh, Dan isn't sick or anything from from the kids. So not yet, not yet, right? Right. So we actually have a good holiday schedule this year for yes. for us with, with Thanksgiving, the Pittsburgh trip, and they moved it to one o'clock. So that was a you know that's always an in and out. Usually don't have to stay overnight. Uh, and then around Christmas, I think Christmas is on a Tuesday this year, Oh, yep. which is normally a, a player's day off. So we don't have to be, be, maybe they'll get a little creative. Oh no, Christmas is on Wednesday. Oh, uh, so may, I don't know. Maybe I'll get creative with the schedule, but I believe we're home that weekend. I oh. think that's the uh, Baltimore game. So that's always, that's always nice. Yes. The schedule it's nice works to be home for favor. Christmas we because in Chicago a few years ago on Christmas Eve in a snowstorm. Yes. yes. <laughs> which and I've is, flown out on Christmas several times, you know. See, or, yeah. stick around. We got all these life on the beat stories just, just <laughs> waiting to come out of these two. They've been doing it for a while. So uh, just real quickly, I want to remind everyone that um, as a part of Football Insider, as Mary Kay said a couple minutes ago, you get uh, our newsletter, which includes our Easter eggs. Uh, if you had subscribed, you would have known all about uh, Benny Snell and James Washington and Duck Hodges. Uh, we, did, we had several player profiles in there uh, highlighting – guys uh, that the Steelers feature and we'll do the same coming up with the Bengals uh you know Andy Dalton a familiar name Tyler Boyd on a kind of the second back end of his breakout year at following last year uh so those are names you can expect going forward to read in the football insider uh quickly before we get out here uh we're going to predict the game uh Cincinnati won last week so they're no Mm -hmm. longer winless so uh, you know the Browns don't have to worry about being embarrassed in that sense but still a home loss to the Cincinnati Bengals would be crippling. So quickly, I'll just say Browns got to win this one. I think, I mean, the roster talent is 
vastly different. I Andy Dalton coming in does scary a little bit. He's mm-hmm. had success, of course, against Cleveland. Uh, but I, I think they write this ship. The Browns are a different team at home. They take care of business. I don't have a score yet, but it, it's going to be whatever the spread is. I'm not sure. It's got it's probably double digits, right? Somewhere has anyone seen the spread? Uh, let's see. I can probably look it. I, up. Mean, I would it, think. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not worth it. But if 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 you're going to bet it, take the Browns. I think they're going to uh, take care of business and write this ship as much as they can, given how their playoff uh, chances take it a hit. So, how do you guys feel about it? I mean, I'm going to pick the Browns. I'm kind of like you. I don't have a score yet uh, for the game. I actually just pulled it up. Uh, It looks like uh, most places have it minus eight and a half right now. So it's not up to double digits. But still, that's a touchdown, more than a touchdown. So, uh, you know, I think Andy Dalton makes Cincinnati better. But I think the Browns will find their offense like they did against Miami. Baker Mayfield has put up big numbers against the Bengals defense in his very short career. I think that will continue. Browns will probably end up in the 30s somewhere and then we'll just sort of see what the defense can do yeah no aj green for for the bengals and i think that's big because they are getting john ross back and if you had andy dalton and john ross and aj green uh and and joe mixon you know you start to think hey you know that's that's not a pushover team uh but no aj who always was a nemesis for the cleveland browns i think the browns are going to win this game uh, probably somewhere around 24 to 14, something like that. Yep, yep. I'm with you, Mary Kay, double digits. It has to be, like, Dan, kind of like you said, too, it needs to it needs to feel like the Miami game. Just go there, take care of business. I know this isn't college football where the how you win matters, but mm-hmm. they need to treat this like a college football game and just take care of business and get everyone feeling good again, mm-hmm. if you will. So, all right, listeners, that's all we have. Um, as always, don't forget to sign up for Football, football Insider, the blue banner on top of cleveland.com slash browns. Get Mary Kay's exclusive text, which we'll all be hopefully joining and becoming a part of, along with the Easter egg and the Football Insider, all that good stuff. Um, so, again, don't forget to sign up. Only $3.99 gets you access to all that. Uh, as always, we appreciate you all for listening. For Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Ellis Williams. Take care, y'all.